Hi, welcome to the Off the Deep End podcast. My name is Sierra and I am one of the hosts here. My co-host and good friend Alex and I started this podcast to talk about music that we like and why we like it. We do episodes about bands or artists, specific albums, or even just specific songs. And we also talk about shows and concerts that we go to when we were still able to do that. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll come on here and do mini episodes about different things because the world of music is just very fascinating to me and I really like learning about it in different capacities. So I talk about vinyl that I own, I talk about things that are happening in the music world, and I also talk about books that I've read because I really like reading books about music. I like reading memoirs, I like reading biographies, I like reading books about the science behind music and what makes popular music popular, all those sorts of things. So today I'm here to talk about the latest music book that I finished reading. In this case, I was actually rereading it and that is The Heroin Diaries by Nikki Six. So I have the 10-year anniversary edition. Um, So it came out, the 10-year one came out in... 2017 so not that long ago and I bought this book and I read through it the first time maybe in 2018 I remember being like oh wow like they just they just redid this um yeah I think 2018 maybe anyway um if you've been listening to us for some amount of time you've probably heard me talk about Motley Crue at least once or twice Um, I really like Motley Crue a lot. Um, Their their lives and the lives that they lived during the 80s are just, like I said about the music world, like them themselves fascinate me as well. I don't know. I just, that was such a different time than the time that I grew up in and the time that I live in now. Um, The 80s and the excess of it and... I remember as a kid, parental advisory stickers like already existed and I didn't know any different. Um, Whereas these guys kind of assisted in those being created, I guess. I don't know. It was just such a different time culturally and the mindset and worldview that people had was very different. And I always joke around and say that I would love to go back in time and love to be a part of that time. And then everyone reminds me that I probably wouldn't have made it out of that decade because I would have um, definitely taken part in a lot of the more negative lifestyle choices. But um, I don't know. I think, too, like the rise of these bands, like what is now considered classic rock, I guess. Um, I It's weird to think of like Guns N' Roses ever being an opening act for somebody it's, you know, in my head, these bands were always at the top. And so thinking about how they got there and what that was like for them. And I don't know, I just I just think that it's really interesting. But I, I really, really love Motley Crue. I like their music. I like um, watching interviews with them. And I know that very rarely were they ever sober. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just... I like the personality, I like the persona, I like the whatever. I'm just very much drawn to it, as many people were. So 
obviously the business plans of creating those and having that play a role and then becoming popular worked back then and it's still working now. Um, the, no, not the last book talk that I did, but one of the almost last ones that I did was about Motley Crue's biography or autobiography rather the dirt, which is now that Netflix movie. And so that one, just to recap is a book about the history of the band and all the band members have a voice in the book, some larger than others. And there are some other people who talk in the book as well. So um, they get insight from old managers, current managers, um, A&R people, you know, like that type of stuff. But it's very much focused on the band as a whole, how they got started. And it even goes back into their personal lives and their own upbringings. And then like, how they came to know each other and, you know, that type of stuff. This book, obviously, since only one of them wrote it, is about this one specific person. So it's about Nikki Six, who is the bass player of Motley Crue. Um, he was also, like, the mother of the band in terms of, like, this was his baby. And everything, like, the songs were his, the vision and image was his. Like, he had it all planned out. Um and a lot of people who knew the band at the time and was around them and played some sort of part in them becoming who they were have said that if it wasn't for Nikki, like this band would not have been what it was. He had vision. He saw it through. He knew what he wanted the band to be about and he got them there. So this book though, isn't even just like an autobiography. Like I was born in whatever, 1958, I think he was born in. Um, but it's about a year. So it goes from, let me see, cause I have it right in front of me. It goes from December, 1986 to, wow, there's so many introductions. Yeah. December, 1986 to December, 1987 in terms of diary entries and then there's introductions forwards whatever and then there's afterwards epilogues whatever so the reason why this year is selected is because um nikki six overdosed and actually died in december of 1987 and it is pretty much everything that led up to that so nikki six has actually had multiple overdoses um I think that there's two that are actually, like, sp- like I don't want to say spoken about, because I think he talks about the other ones, like, himself. Um, but there's the big one, you know, that this book ends with, or the diaries end with. And then there was one that happened, I think, um, in, I think, earlier. I think in February of 86... I remember it was February because he always makes jokes about it being on Valentine's Day. I think it was 1986. Um, so before I like really get into it, let me say a few things. One, I have no personal um, experience with narcotics at all. So I take him at his word for what it's like to be under the influence of things like cocaine and heroin because 
I take Advil. That's pretty much it. Two, I know that there is some debate as to how true these stories are. So the first book talk episode that I ever did was about Dee Snyder's autobiography. And Dee Snyder is the singer of Twisted Sister. And um, in the beginning of his book, he goes on this whole rant pretty much about how you can actually trust his biography because Dee Snyder was pretty much always sober. Actually, I think he was like always sober. Um, And that's something that he prides himself in. And that's great. Like that's, you know, the decision that he made for his life to be sober. And that's awesome that he grew up and not grew up, but he was a part of the same time period and was able to uphold those standards that he put for himself. I applaud him for that. Um, But yeah, he makes a point to say, I can actually remember what happened. I was in my right mind. I was never clouded because of substances of any kind. Um, and he doesn't explicitly say, but you can't read the heroin diaries and trust that, but I'm pretty sure he says diary. So if you know the books that are out there, you would know that this is what he was talking about, but he pretty much says you can't trust this book, the heroin diaries, because the man was on heroin the whole time. So how can you trust what he's saying? I've also spoken to some other people who have um, not personal experience with drugs, but know people who have like taken drugs and or currently take drugs or use or whatever. And um, they were like, I mean, like it's heroin. Like you don't you don't shoot up and be like, oh, now I have to go write in my diary. Like that's not where your mind is at. So it's it's interesting because as a person, if you look at what he says about himself in the dirt and even what he says about himself in this book, like he's not a good person in terms of his lifestyle choices, in terms of like how he treats other people. Um, it seems like he's changed a lot now. I don't know him. I've never met him. I would love to meet him. I think that would be super cool. I would love to talk to him, um, and hang out with him and that sort of thing. But, um, I don't want (laughs) to, I don't know. I guess I'm just like a sucker for stuff like this that I just want to believe that people are being honest and being truthful and like, why would they lie? Um, but yeah, that's a really long-winded way, I guess, of saying that there may not be a lot of truth to this or may not be a hundred percent true. I guess that's up to you and you can take that for what it's worth. The parts that I thought were like, okay, hold on now was like whenever he actually used the word diary, like when it was like, hi, diary, or it's just you and me, diary. And um, I mean, I I write, I journal, I get that. I'm going to be 25 soon. And I think he was in his upper 20s. Yeah, I think he was like 28, 29. So, I mean, we're, we're close in age. Um, I don't, I don't say that anymore. Like I'm not like in third grade writing about this boy that I think is cute. You know, I'm not like dear diary. So stuff like that is just like, okay, hang on. Like 
how many people actually say diary in their diaries that are not children. Um, so yes, but I don't know. I feel like a disclaimer is somewhat needed just due to the controversy that kind of surrounds this book. Regardless of whether or not this book is 100% honest or truthful, he did legitimately overdose in December of 1987. Um, he did legitimately have problems with substance use and abuse throughout the years, but specifically in this year. Um, he did go stupid in Japan when they were on tour there. All of that stuff is true, and there's other people who can back those claims up. Um, but also, too, regardless of the other pieces of the book and the honesty in those, this book has helped a lot of people who have also experienced addiction or are currently in addiction. Um, you know, I see any time, you know, he posts anything. He could post, like, a picture. He had a daughter, like, a year ago, so he can post a picture about, like, his baby and like a caption about fishing or something like that. It doesn't matter what it is. People will still post and say, thank you for, you know, publishing your diaries. Thank you for sharing about your journey with sobriety. Um, people will tweet him all the time and tell them how long they've been sober and he'll congratulate them and that sort of thing. And being a recovering addict is something that you need community for. And I think that this book was able to help reinforce that need for community, maybe get people plugged into their own local community. Um, I think that this book just holds a lot of power for people who um, have that or have experienced that or have any sort of experience with that at all. And so with that, I thank and applaud Nikki Six for publishing these diaries because this was my life. I wouldn't want people knowing about it. Um, but he did, and it's helped a lot of people in the process, and so that's great. So, um, yeah, the way that the 10th anniversary edition is set up is it has, like, an intro. Okay, well, it has... Okay, okay, sorry. I'm just... I don't plan these out beforehand. I just talk, and then I, my mind is everywhere. So it starts with... Um, a dictionary in case you're like me and you don't really know that much you have a very basic understanding of all this sort of stuff it talks about um well there's you know like a, a dictionary like with actual definitions and then there's like a slang dictionary not like slang but um more of like people who are experiencing these things these things being addiction alcoholism cocaine depression heroin psychosis like that sort of stuff so it talks about that and then um there is a whole four pages about it says key players in these torrid tales otherwise known as partners in crime so a really cool thing about this book um and i think it adds so much to this book um is that it's Nikki Six and it's his diaries, but then there's commentary. There's commentary from him. So like present day Nikki Six. And then there's commentary from the other band members, from his girlfriend slash fiance at the time, his mother, his sister, managers, record label people, uh, bodyguards, drug counselors, 
friends that just knew him, um, people who worked with him, people who were just around him during this time. Um, and I think that that adds to like making this more factual, I guess. So there is, if you watch like documentaries or not really documentaries, I guess, more just like VH1 specials or whatever about Motley Crue, um, there's always like discrepancy in like what actually happened when he died in 87. Um, and how did he come back? Like, was it the adrenaline shots? Was it, you know, did someone do mouth to mouth? Did someone just like beat the crap out of him and like wake his body back up or whatever? Um, yeah, I think that having these other people chime in helps because you understand more the depravity of the situation but also helps in terms of like, okay, yeah, this did actually happen or whatever. Um, again, though, this was a time of excess, so pretty much everyone was kind of out of their minds, but I digress. So then there's um, an introduction or a forward. I don't actually know what is the difference between those. Um, but Nikki Six writes a little bit about, okay, it's been 10 years, blah, blah, blah. And then... There's, like, the legitimate introduction, I guess, from the original version. And then there's a second introduction from the guy who helped write the book with him. And then it goes straight into the diary. So it's sectioned off month by month. And then there's different amounts of entries for each month. But it's typically one a day. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a lot of content. There's pictures, um, a lot of which aren't in... Um, the dirt because that book has pictures too um, there's illustrations on a very uh, what's the word like logistical practical note the book is the color scheme of the book is black white and red and there's some pages that instead of being a white page, usually it's a white page with black letters and the commentary is red letters and that's all right, like that works. But there's some pages where it is a black page with white print and red print and that's okay. But then there's some pages that are red with black and white print and those are just kind of like, those are not the most easy on the eyes, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, so it's cool. I mean, it looks super cool. And if you're into like creepy and macabre and all that sort of stuff, which he is, um, you know, it, it's, it's cool. Um, but at the same time, there's sometimes you got to like look away, like blink a little and come back to it. But, um, yeah. So like I said, you know, my experience, my personal experience with substance use is is not, you know, anything like this at all. Um, but in terms of experiencing things like anxiety and depression, I do have more experience with that. And he talks about that a lot because um, this was also going on at the time. So he was clearly depressed. I mean, you can see that in this. Um, and, you know, I mean, alcohol makes your depression worse. Um, and, you know, drugs don't help. So, you know, he's, he's going through all this stuff. He's wrestling a lot with his upbringing and his mother and his father and feeling abandoned. 
Um, and he was, you know, pretty much abandoned and, um, dealing with that and, and all of those sorts of things. Um, his grandmother had passed away and his grandma played an important role in raising him. Um, he did not go to her funeral because he was so strung out. And so it, it seems like, and again, I don't know him. I've never spoken to him personally. If for some reason he's listening, please, Nikki Six, like, contact me because I would love to hang out with you and talk with you. Anyway, it seems like that kind of started it. So it's interesting. Depression and mental illness in general, sometimes there's, like, an event and it's, like, bam, this is it. You can go back and you can look at it and you can say, this is what started whatever, right? For other people, it's more of like stressful events that maybe it's not one stressful event singular, but it's a bunch of like little mini stressful events and you're not like working through them um, like quickly enough or whatever and of no fault of this person. But let's just say, you know, that if you just have one thing after another after another and you're getting slammed, that can build up on each other. Um, then, too, you look at factors like genetics. You look at factors like lifestyle. You look at factors like even your age and how, you know, mental illness and the age for certain mental illnesses, it's early adulthood. Like, that's when the onset is. So he was, you know, in prime spot for some of these things to be happening. Um, but it, it seems like that's kind of what it was like the stuff with his grandma happened and his grandma passed away and he wasn't able to really process and experience it and grieve and all those sorts of things that need to happen to keep people healthy. And, uh, it was just a downward slope, but in all honesty, and I feel like he would probably agree, um, his life had been a downward slope way before this. This is just the year that they selected. Um, there's parts of this book that make me really sad. I actually, like I said, this was a reread, so I've read it before. Um, but this time around, and this is either the second or third time that I read it, there was a few parts that just made me incredibly sad. There's a section where he tries to get sober on his own. He was very against going to any sort of rehab. Um, and he has so much optimism and he's so excited and I'm going to do it. And I've made it like two weeks or whatever clean and I, I can do it. Like I have purpose again. I feel, I feel like I have a reason to wake up in the morning. I took a shower um, you know, stuff like that. And it was really sad to read it because obviously, you know, I'm holding the book in my hands. I can see how much more there is left. And you know that something, unfortunately, is going to happen and he's not going to stay on that path. Um, there's other parts in the book where he really struggles with stuff with his mother and his father. And it's really sad to read that. And I think that you can just see how broken he was at that time and you watch interviews and you listen to the music that he had coming out then and and all of those sorts of things and um I mean you can tell you can watch the interviews with them and you're like okay they're obviously you know on something but you can't see the deeper stuff 
of, you know, these attachment issues is like the correct word for it. Um, I don't want to get like too into like psychology and all that sort of stuff, but as someone who studied that and as someone who's really interested in that, this book also really piques my interest in that regard because um, a lot of this stuff is coming from a place of not developing secure attachments as a child. And it's interesting because Alex and I were actually talking about this the other day, just how important the stuff that happens to you as a baby and as a small child plays such a significant role in your life as an adult, you know, even though you're like, no, that was 20 years ago or whatever, um, that you, you, you're so, your brain and your body and you're so in a place of development and all of those sorts of things that anything that happens has an impact and it's scary then if you're like oh I think I want to have kids because then it's like oh shoot like it doesn't matter if I'm the best parent ever like they can still whatever you know get messed up or something like that but um yeah I mean it's just really sad if you watch the movie The Dirt on Netflix there's some scenes where it's like Nikki is a little kid those are really, really sad. And he said that those scenes were really well done and really like accurate. And that's what it was for him. Um, so pretty much the diary entry span, the recording of, I don't think it's the full recording of, but the recording of rehearsals and then the girls, girls, girls tour, which is, um, their fourth album. And, uh, yeah, you learn about touring, you learn more about like what touring's like and what touring was like for them because at this point they were so um popular and they had enough money that they weren't touring by buses, they were flying. They were doing like hub cities that they would fly to the city and then fly out of for individual shows. That sort of thing, private jets, the works. Um they talk about Japan um which was bad. There's a video on YouTube, you can watch it if you want, and it's him in Japan, and it's probably, like, two weeks before he died or something like that, and um, you can see how bad he was, Um, and Tommy's in it too, their drummer, and you can see how bad he was, because they were all not doing well at all. You can see in his face, in his skin, in his eyes that he just was not doing well at all. You can hear in his voice. You can see it in just like a shakiness. And he even says, you know, I'm not feeling too well. And then you read these diaries and he was like super sick and he was throwing up all the time. Um, And when he was in Japan, multiple, on multiple occasions, he was told that he was going to die by the end of the year. And it was December. And um, he did. He died on the 23rd. I think it was the 23rd. Um, It's sad. It's just so sad. There's a part where he's talking about being in Japan and one of their promoters that they worked with, they were over there and like helped translate and all that sort of stuff, told him that he was worried about him and 
like saw him as a son and he makes a comment about it um and he says it made me feel loved more than my father ever did and that just i don't know that made me cry i didn't I don't know. It's it's a hard book for me to read, at least. But it's, I mean, it's really good. It's really interesting. It's funny. There's parts of it that make me laugh because of how ridiculous it is. And I think that in these situations, there, I mean, there is humor. You know, they did really dumb stuff during this time. As much as they were, like, rock and roll and badass and everything. They did a lot of really stupid stuff. Um, and it's always nice when people can like own up to that, you know, and even make fun of it themselves. So there was, there was quite a few pieces of this book that make me laugh as well. Um, and then, yeah, he dies, he overdoses, he dies, he comes back to life and then he goes home and he shoots up again. So it was a slow progression to sobriety there's multiple relapses and he talks about it so originally there's like an afterward and it's like life after death or whatever and he just bullet points it out like then we did this then we did this then we did dr feel good then we did you know all these other albums all these other tours this one left the band this one left the band i did this side project i did this side project you know all those sorts of things um and then since it's the 10 year anniversary then there's a whole another chapter that comes after that of like okay and this is what happened over the last 10 years the impact of the book um he talks about his band 6am he talks about his radio show he talks about his wife that he's currently married to all of those sorts of things um very interesting very um like full circle well-rounded and i like that um And I think that that was one of the things that was just kind of lacking about the dirt, but that's not really anyone's fault because that book came out in 2001. So there's just so much that has happened since then, even just in the history of Motley Crue as a band, let alone their lives individually, that I think would be really interesting to get their perspective on. Um, But... Yes, I think... Yeah, I think people should read this book. I think you should read The Heroin Diaries. I think that it is well written. He's very articulate. He's very good with words. Um, I mean, his diary entries, even. I was going to say not so much, but even, I mean, they're they're not that bad. I've definitely read worse books written by musicians. And it's funny because you read reviews about books that are written by musicians, and it's like, most of them a lot of the times are like this is why musicians shouldn't write books this one isn't one of those um this one is is very well written very well put together again like the only qualm i have is just like sometimes the colors are hard to look at but i need to go get my eyes checked anyway and get new glasses so that could just be me um but yeah it's incredibly sad but it also offers hope and optimism. It shows the importance of community and recovery. It talks about 
just the importance of humility and having to get over yourself. And I think that it shows the beauty of second chances and that just because you make mistakes or you make really poor decisions at times, it doesn't mean your life is over. You can still come back from those and you can still have a successful and meaningful life. Um, And sometimes success and meaning looks different for different people. So at this point of his life, he was extremely successful financially. He was very popular. His band was doing really, really well. But personally, he wasn't very successful and he wasn't meaningful. And he talks about how even if he was to die, who would even show up at his funeral? He talks about having social anxiety and feeling like nobody likes him. Talks about all these different things that I think are really common experiences and things that everyone deals with. But if you were around during that time and even if you're not like me and you look at pictures or watch videos or just the image that he gave off I don't think you would have ever guessed that so it shows how good people can be at lying as well and how I think when we're open and actually honest about our experiences we find out that there are a lot of very common human experiences that we all go through but we all feel alone in and we should probably be more open and talk about those so I really like this book. I'm glad that I own it. I plan on rereading and rereading and rereading and hopefully I won't cry every time, but man, it's good. I think you should go ahead and check it out. I think you should also listen to their music. I think you should watch The Dirt because it's a good movie. I think you should also read The Dirt because I like that book too. You can listen to the episode that I did about that and yes happy reading. Enjoy it. Um, I think I'm actually going to be taking a break from reading music books for a while because I have other stuff that I want to read. So it might be some time before I hop on here, but who knows? I'm also really good at starting books and starting other books in the middle of those books. So I might be back to talk about something else sooner than later. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at OTDEpod, and you can also subscribe to listen to us on Spotify or SoundCloud. We have more episodes coming. We are talking about more albums, more artists, and more music that we like and why we like it. Thanks, guys.